Well, it is Resurrection Sunday. We celebrate Easter every week, don't we? Amen. But it is a special day. And for guests, if you're with us today, we're so glad you're here. I'm Pastor Eric, and we are just excited that you're here. It's not by chance that you're here today. And God's going to speak a powerful word to us. Really, the Bible is going to be, we're going to read a lot of Scripture today, because the Scripture today is what is going to preach the message that God has on my heart. Amen? And so if you guys have your Bibles, or if you want to get your phones out, and you want to get your Bible app out, we're all going to turn today to Mark 15. And we're going to do some reading about the resurrection of Christ. Then I'm going to dive into some things that the Lord has placed in my heart. But we're starting a series today called How to Erase Your Past and Live a Shame-Free Life. We're going to start talking about the power of the blood of Jesus to remove our guilt and our shame so that we can live the life that God wants us to live. Because I don't know about you. But even myself, all of us, have fallen short of the glory of God, and we've missed the mark. Anybody here perfect? Anybody reminded of some of their scars and some of their past? Maybe even last night? And, uh, but God has this powerful truth that he wants to put in our hearts about how to erase the past, how to break shame, how to bring freedom through the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to talk about that today. And we're going to start by reading uh, in um, Mark 15. And, and we're just taking one of the accounts about the burial of Christ and his resurrection today. But it's really neat. If you would this week, just read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Each one gives their perspective of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And each one gives different details that are really, really powerful. And they give from a perspective that they saw. And so we're going to read Mark's uh, account of the burial and the resurrection of Christ. And then we're going to dive into the message. So are you guys excited about that? All right. So the burial of Christ in Mark 15. It was preparation day. Stop. This is the day before the Sabbath. So I want to set the stage just a little bit here. So the day before the Sabbath, the Sabbath in our culture is on Sunday morning, right? Sunday. But in in the Jewish culture, the Sabbath was on Saturday. And so we're talking about Friday. Jesus was uh, crucified on Friday. And so this is the preparation day. But what they did on the preparation day, they, they honored the Sabbath differently than America does. What they would do is they would make preparations for their food, for their work, and everything so that they did nothing on the Sabbath, the Saturday. So what they would do is they would prepare their food, they would make preparations for the Sabbath, which would be on Saturday, so that they they would do no commerce. They would do no transacting of money. I don't know about you guys, I remember a day when everything was closed on Sunday. Well, that's the way it was back in the day, okay? And so this was preparation day, and they were making preparation And so if you can imagine Christ being crucified on preparation day before the Sabbath. So they were really trying to get this over and done, get Jesus in the grave, get him killed, get him taken care of, and put him to bed. Because they had a lot of things to do. They had to prepare for the next day, which was the Sabbath. So this is is where we're starting in in this story. It was preparation day. So as evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God. I love that. He was waiting for the kingdom of God. Are we not bringing the kingdom of God now? 
Yes, he was waiting on the kingdom of God. He went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Pilate was surprised to hear that Jesus was already dead. Summoning the centurion, which was the Roman soldier, he asked if Jesus had already died. When he learned from the centurion that it was so, he gave the body to Joseph. So Joseph brought some linen cloth, and I just realized, but at any rate, brought some linen cloth, if you'll keep advancing that, took down the body, wrapped it in the linen, and placed it in a tomb cut out of a rock. Then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. Then in chapter 16, Jesus has risen. When the Sabbath was over, so now Saturday, or Saturday is over, the Sabbath is over, and now it is dawn. Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of Jesus, and Salome bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, which would be Sunday morning, at sunrise, that's why many churches do sunrise service, okay? They're, they're reenacting the events of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. They were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? Question mark. But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. He ain't in the grave no longer in Newcastle language. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered. I would act that out, but that wouldn't look good. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. When Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. That's called a demon casting out party. She went and told those who had been with him and who were mourning and weeping. When they heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they did not believe. Wow. Afterward, Jesus appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking in the country. These returned and reported it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Later, Jesus appeared to the eleven as they were eating. He rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. It's amazing. Jesus, therefore, he, even after that, he appeared to over 500 people with scars on his hands as he showed them the scars that he was risen from the dead. But what amazes me is they were not expecting a resurrection. If you read the other accounts of Matthew, 
Mark, Luke, and John, this is Mark, Mark, Luke, and John, if you read those other accounts, there's even more to the story about how the, the religious leader, leaders were so concerned that the disciples would come and steal the body. And so they guarded the tomb. Actually, the religious leaders were actually believing that maybe that might happen if they steal his body. Then there would be another lie that would be taught about Jesus that he actually raised from the dead. So they, they secured the tomb with soldiers. But no one expected Jesus' resurrection. Does that surprise you? After he had, he had declared it to them, after he said he was, going to, he was going to die and raise again, no one was expecting the resurrection. The religious leaders were nervous, and so they, again, protected the tomb. The soldiers were not expecting it as they were sitting there guarding the tomb that morning. The apostles were not expecting the resurrection of Christ. They were terrified. They were scared. They were weeping and mourning. They didn't even show up for his burial and his funeral. Think about that. Who showed up for the funeral? Joseph of Arimathea. Two men went and took his body off the cross and laid it in the tomb. And the couple ladies, Mary and another Mary, watched where they placed him. But they were scared. They were afraid. Because the disciples now did not realize they had put God in a box. They did not realize that the kingdom of heaven coming to the earth was going to look like what they, they thought it was going to look different. They thought Jesus was going to conquer as a king. He was going to destroy the rule of Rome and that he was going to set up an earthly kingdom. And he would rule and they'd get, be ruling with him. And so this kingdom that Jesus was coming to bring was different than what they expected. And they were not expecting a resurrection. They were again weeping and mourning and crying because the Jesus movement was over. The revival was done. Even the women going to the tomb that morning did not expect a resurrection. They were actually going to anoint his body. They were actually bringing spices to actually re-embalm his body, to preserve his body. Because again, they had to get him off the cross quick because the Sabbath was coming. And so they took him off the cross quickly so that they could get him in the grave so that after the Sabbath, they could anoint his body. So no one was expecting the resurrection. You know, I love Easter. I love Easter. It's not about Easter bunnies. Hate to, hate to disappoint you. It is not about egg hunts. It's not about chocolate candy. And no, Abraham, you didn't get any chocolate candy this morning. We've never celebrated Easter like the world has. We've never done it in our family. It's okay if you do. I'm not condemning you. It's not about Easter bunnies today celebrating on every continent in every nation in every place in the world people have gathered today and they have gathered on easter to celebrate the resurrection of jesus christ 
Millions and millions and millions of people are gathered this morning to celebrate this man. To celebrate this man from Galilee. To celebrate this man who was the Son of God. To celebrate this man who not only died for you, but he died as you. He was a Jewish carpenter that changed the face of history. And I'm going to get probably emotional today. He has been the man that has been written about more than any man in the history of mankind. Jesus Christ. We're not here today because a man died on the cross. You realize that? There are many men who have died on the cross. That was the way they, they, they killed people in Roman time. We're not here today because a man died on a cross. We're not here today because Jesus preached and taught amazing messages. We're not here today because Jesus was an amazing prophet. We are here today because Jesus Christ rose from the grave. The man they call Messiah was dead, but yet he raised. I'm telling you, Muhammad did not raise from the dead. Do you know how he died? He was poisoned. And he didn't raise from the dead. You know Buddha? Buddha did not raise from the dead. Buddha died of food poisoning. Uh, well, just go back and look at the other people that worship other gods and, and what they call deity. Our God raised from the dead. And there are benefits to that resurrection for you and for me. There are benefits to the resurrection of our God. And there are benefits that we're going to start talking about over the next several weeks about the power of the blood of Jesus, the power of what He has done for us. We need to be reminded of that daily, even what Chris shared, that we are partaking of the grace of God every day. When we fall short, we're calling again upon the grace of God, and we're, we're reminding ourselves daily of the blood of Jesus and applying that blood to our lives because everyone in this room has fallen short of that glory. Amen and amen. And the enemy tries to beat the living daylights out of you to remind you and to accuse you of your past, to accuse you of what you've done wrong. But I'm telling you, there is a benefit to the resurrection of Christ that destroys the voice of that accuser. And so we're here today to celebrate the resurrection of Christ. We're here today because on Easter morning over 2,000 years ago, a group of ladies went to a tomb expecting to find a dead body, expecting to embalm a dead body. And uh, good news, he was not there. He was resurrected. He had rose. And hallelujah, our God reigns. Hallelujah, our God reigns. We sang about it all morning, the power of the blood. Oh, the blood. What can wash away my stain, my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Praise the Lord. So, the fact of this resurrection has ramifications for us today that I'm going to start diving into. This fact has benefits as we celebrate the resurrection with millions and millions of people all over the planet. God wants us to know the power of his resurrection for us. 
the power of his resurrection, the power of the blood of Christ. God wants us to know the benefits, the ramifications of this for our life. He wants us to go over the next several weeks and talk about this. Last fall, Denny Kramer prophesied over, uh, over me, and, and he said, I want you to talk about the blood of Christ. I want you, the Lord said, I, the, the body does not know about the blood of Jesus. They don't know the, the significance of the blood. They don't know the significance of the words, it is finished. And so we're going to begin to unpack that revelation in this house. And I want to encourage everybody to keep coming back over the next seven weeks, six or seven weeks. We don't know how long the, the, the series is going to be. But come back. Don't, make, don't, don't just come today on Easter. Because there is a ramification and a benefit to you if you understand what Jesus has done for you and in you. Amen? Amen. So we're going to start talking about that over the next several weeks. How to erase your past and live a shame-free life. And we're going to be talking about the power of the blood of Jesus and its benefit for you. What I like to say is the benefit package is out of this world. You know, we all look for a good job that has great benefit packages. We want life insurance, health insurance, all kinds of family benefits. Well, the, the family package that we get, the benefit package that we get is really amazing. Amen? We're going to start in that. So today, I've got a question for you. I've got a question for you as we dive into this message. Does anyone here have a bad, sinful past that you're ashamed of? Is there anybody here? You've done some things you wished you would have never done. I need to hear somebody. You know, you know those things in your past where you cross somebody's path out there and you go, oh God, I hope they don't remember me. Anybody got any of that in your past? <laughs> oh, yes, we do. Yeah, some of it maybe yesterday or last night too, right? That's why we have the blood. Does anyone struggle living a holy life in here? Does anybody struggle with being blameless and living their life the way God says to in His Word? Anybody here struggle with that? Yes. You're among company. How are you really doing at living your life for Christ? We have our good days and we have our bad days. All of us do. And we have an adversary, the devil who prowls around like a roaring lion seeking to whom he may devour. And it says in Revelations that he literally accuses the brethren day and night accusing you of your past and your present. How many of you have ever felt that voice was yours rather than the enemy's? Where you beat yourself up and you... You hammer yourself and you get down on yourself and you go, oh gosh, why even try? Got good news for you. 
See, the enemy wants to beat you up and make you feel worthless, guilty, unlovable. He wants to call you a bad dad, bad mom, bad son, bad this, bad that, bad everything under the sun. Bad daughter, bad mom. He wants to remind you of your shortcomings. And I am not here to beat you up today. I am here to give you some good news. I am not here to preach at you, to condemn you. Bible says in Romans 8, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free. Say, set me free. free. I say, set me free. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death in my body. That's the good news of the gospel. And so as Christians, as we've called upon the name of Christ, as we believed in him, the son of the living God, and we've surrendered our life to him, we are not what the enemy says we are. And so I have some good news. We have some amazing benefit package from Jesus. And it is time to shut the voice of the enemy. Everybody say, shut the voice of the enemy. Shut the voice of the enemy. enemy. It's like Chris was saying during communion. I've got to apply the truth that I'm talking about today every day to my life. I've got to appropriate what, what the word of God says. I have to give an account of that to my own heart when I fall short. And so I was having a dream the other night. Actually, it was Saturday morning. I was struggling with this message, and I had this dream. And in this dream, I was preaching, getting ready to preach out of Psalms 103. So we're going to turn to Psalms 103, and we're going to remind ourselves what the Word of God says. And so we're going to use this scripture to preach the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Psalms 103, verses 1 through 14. Father, I ask in the name of Jesus that you would get this deep inside of our hearts in Jesus' name. The benefits of being connected to the vine. You are the vine, we are the branches. You are the king, we are your sons and daughters. And Father, because we have called upon your name, we've invited you (laughs) We've responded to your awakening. We've responded to saying yes to you. Father, these promises and these benefits are for us. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. So let's read. Praise the Lord my soul. All my inmost being praise his holy name. Praise the Lord my soul. And forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all my sins. And heals all my diseases. (laughs) Okay, you can say amen there. (laughs) Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you, crowns you, crowns you with love and compassion. Who satisfies your desires with good things (laughs) so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. 
I'm going to say that again. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow, slow to anger, abounding in love. Keep going. He will not always accuse, nope, nor will he harbor his anger forever. Why? Because of Jesus Christ. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. Anybody glad for that? Or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us us everybody say that with me as far as the east is from the west so far he has removed my transgressions from me as a father has compassion on his children so the lord has compassion on those who fear him for he knows how we are formed and he remembers that we're pretty dusty pretty dirty Listen to these words out of that passage. Forget not his benefits. He forgives. He heals. He redeems. He satisfies. He renews. He works righteousness and justice for the oppressed. The word forgive means he pardons and absolves your debt. How many would love your debt on your home? forgiven how about some of that consumer debt that's been eating you alive how would you like your debt canceled that's what that word means absolved done away with gone the word redeem means he has bought you back It's clear of payment. There's no payment needed any longer. The word satisfy means full contentment of needs and expectations. Renew means to revive, to restore, to recover. You. Heal, to make healthy again, to effect a cure. Thank you, Father. I want to go to another scripture in Colossians 1 that even goes further into this truth of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. In Colossians 1.19, it says, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Christ. All the fullness of God dwelt in Christ and through Christ to reconcile to himself, to reconcile to God all things. That Christ, through Christ, we are, being rec- we are reconciled back to God, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace. Everybody say, by making peace. By making peace. Through what? Through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated, alienated from God, 
and were enemies in your minds because of your what? Your evil behavior. But now, everybody say, but now. But now, now, everybody. God has reconciled you. God has reconciled you. God has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in His sight without blemish and free from what? It just makes me want to shout. Come on now, shout. But that's not how we live. Do we believe that? We don't believe it's enough. Because I see how you treat yourself. I see how you treat other people when they mess up. I see how the body of Christ at large judges people for doing things that aren't quite biblical. Now, I'm not saying it's giving us a license to sin. But once we realize the truth of what he has literally bought and what he has purchased and what he has done, that is what compels me to get sin out of my life. That's what gets, compels me to live holy unto the Lord. Peace through his blood. Everybody say, peace through his blood. Boy, over the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about the blood of Christ. We're going to start diving into that because I love it when non-Christians, man, what are you guys talk about the blood of Jesus, man? You guys are gross. <laughs> Sprinkle the blood? I mean, come on. But he, it's, he's made peace through his blood. And he's presented you holy through him. That I'm actually holy in his sight is what that scripture said. That when God sees me, he sees me holy in his sight. God sees, to say that, God sees me as holy in his sight. Now, you're saying that about you, not Eric. God sees you, me, holy in his sight. He's made peace through the death of Christ, through the blood of Christ. God sees me holy. Is that hard for anybody to wrap your mind around right now? I'm free from accusation. Oh, well, you weren't in my mind yesterday. See, Christ's blood satisfies holiness. Christ's blood satisfies holiness, thereby making peace through the blood. Mankind was separated from God because of sin and had no acceptable offering to satisfy the demands of God's holy nature. God still has a demand for holiness. But we can't obtain holiness in our own strength. 
on our own. It's impossible. That's why everyone in this room has sin issues. Every one of us have dysfunction. Every one of us has struggles. There are things we are all working towards, overcoming. But God sent Christ to provide an acceptable sacrifice of your sin. And that acceptable sacrifice of sin provided a peace offering. A covenant from God to you. A bond of peace for those who receive him, thereby making, it pe- making peace with God. It was specifically the blood of Jesus Christ shed on the cross that established the demands of God's holiness. you got to hear this. It was specifically, it was specifically the blood of Jesus Christ shed on the cross that made the demand of God's holiness acceptable. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would bring that truth from our head to our hearts. That it was specifically the blood of Jesus. It was the sacrifice that Christ made that we celebrate today that, 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 that gave the demands of your holiness satisfied. It's been satisfied. Everybody say satisfied. God's holiness has been satisfied. The holy requirement has been satisfied through Christ. Through the shedding of his blood, his anger, his wrath has been satisfied. That is good news. It it actually established a peace bond or a covenant with us who have received him. It's so important today, if you're here today and you've not received Christ, it's so important that you understand this truth and receive the forgiveness, receive the grace, receive the peace that Christ gives for you. That literally when he was on the cross of Calvary, we have the cross over here, literally when he was on there, he was taking your place. He was the substitutionary atonement for you. Substitution meaning he was substituted in your place because you and I deserve death. That's the good news of the gospel, by the way. All the means was provided to reconcile creation back to God through Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, in Leviticus 17, 11, it declares that sin cannot be forgiven without the shedding of blood. Because sin, and here's, I love this, because sin takes life. Sin causes death. Sin causes death. Sin takes life. And life is also required to repay sin's debts. And that's what Jesus Christ did. He he gave his life to repay something that we could not pay ourselves. That's good news, by the way. Jesus Christ gave divine life in blood to satisfy all of mankind's sins and debts and to restore covenant peace between God and man. His blood really does have benefits. His blood really does have benefits. 
of what it paid for. And we're going to, over the next several weeks, we're going to talk about that and go into some of the, the, the Old Testament and the New Testament, the type and the shadow and what that means. But today I want us to realize that God, in His amazing mercy, in His amazing mercy, He has provided for you the supreme sacrifice. And that is awesome. And so this benefit that we're talking about, I want to go into now Revelations 12, chapter 10, or chapter 12, verses 10 and 11. And I want to pull this scripture up because we quote it a lot here at New Covenant. And uh, it's, it's talking about the end times and it's talking about this great battle that will take place. And in the scripture there in 12, chapter 12, it says, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser, we talked about that earlier, the accuser of the brethren, the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accused them before our God day and night has been hurled down. God does take care of him. Amen. And they triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Now, I realize that there are a couple applications to this scripture. One, in the coming day, but there is also an application today for us of how we as God's people destroy the work of the enemy as he accuses you and I in our current life. Because one of the things that I see and why this message is so important that we get it deep into our heart is I see many Christians living way below their potential and they, they feel inadequate, they feel like failures, they feel like they can't measure up because of the crud and the things that they're overcoming in their life. And therefore they live under the authority that Tom was talking about last week. They live under the authority that has been given to us by Christ. And even in my own life, there are times where I literally feel inadequate for the task. I don't feel like I have what it takes sometimes. Is anybody else there? Sometimes the enemy tries to convince me that I'm less than what I am. Anybody else? And so he uses our past, he uses our guilty conscience to try to make war with you so that he keeps you under your authority, under your call, under your purpose of your life, under the power that he wants you to operate in. And if he can convince you with his lies, he has you. Because the only thing he has is the power of lies. And so if he can convince me of the will or the purpose of my life and that I can't pass this test or I can't make this happen or my career or I can't do this or I can't do that, he's got you where he wants you. But there is a people in this house who are rising up, who are pressing into the plans and purposes of God, and they've got to know who they are and who they've been called by and who they've been reconciled to by the blood of Christ so that they know their authority and they know who they are in Him and they shut the mouth of the enemy, the accuser of the brethren, and they shut him down. 
and that we, the body of Christ, don't come in agreement with the accuser about Sister Tina or this brother or that person, and we malign the body of Christ, and we don't rightly divide and discern the body of Christ on you. Because what we do is, did you know that Sister Susie did this? Oh, he just drives me nuts. Oh, it never happens in this church, I'm sure. It never happens in the church down the road either. And we begin to come against, the, come in agreement with the accuser of the brethren rather than the lover of our soul who says, no, you are a righteous son of the Most High God. No, you are the head and not the tail. You are a righteous king and you are seated in heavenly places. You are a saint. You are better than this. Come up and rise up to the call and the plan that God has for your life. Satan is a lying, stinking pile of poo-poo. That's as close as I get to cussing. If we're going to triumph over him and his accusations, it's because of the blood of the Lamb. And the word of my testimony. I was 12 years old when Jesus came and rescued my heart. And he set me on a path of righteousness. Shut up, devil. I've been bought with a high price. Shut up, devil. Oh, what about this area in your life, Eric? Yeah, I'll tell you about my past. It's been redeemed. It's been bought. It's been purchased. I'm sanctified, set apart, and I'm holy unto the Lord. Shut up. Oh, yeah, what about that time when you did this last week? <laughs> yeah, you're sure. Oh, shut up. <laughs> the weapon of the blood. I want to talk about that briefly. The blood. Everybody say the weapon of the blood. This passage here portrays Satan as cast down to the earth, controlling and accusing the citizens of the kingdom of God. That's what he does. He's a little worried, by the way, because if he knows if you get your identity secured in God and in Christ, in the blood of Christ, he's done. But here, that's why we got an identity crisis in the body of Christ and in our world. That's why there's identity theft going on. It's a prophetic sign of what's going on in the body of Christ, that we don't have our identity secured in Christ and his blood. The primary weapon of the people of God against Satan is the blood of the Lamb. Do you hear me? The primary weapon of the people of God against Satan is the blood of the Lamb. The blood of Christ, the Lamb, causes the people of God to prevail because it answers all of the enemy's accusations. It causes the people of God to prevail because it answers all of the accusations of the enemy. So when he says, what about this? You say, what about the blood? When he says, you did this, I say, what about the blood? 
when he, when he condemns and he marks you and he begins to taunt you in your mind, that's where it happens, then you remind him of the blood. Satan controls and defeats humankind through all his accusations. <laughs> He's a blackmailer is what he is. I don't want to give him any credit today, but I want to shut his mouth. The saints know that the blood has satisfied all the charges against them. Do you know that? Do you as a saint, do you as a man of God or a woman of God, do you know that you, the, the accusations have been silenced about you through the blood of Christ? The blood has established a bond for you with a sovereign God who loves you dearly. He's not afraid of your sin. Matter of fact, he doesn't even see it when you've had the blood applied. If we go back to the old covenant and Moses put the blood on the doorpost and he put the blood and the death angel passed over those who had the blood applied. Do you have the blood of Christ applied to your life? Have you accepted the supreme sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords? then God has neutralized the enemy's voice for you. Sweating like a storm up here. God has released you from guilt by making peace with God. I'm going to, it's right at 12. If you guys wouldn't mind, if you wouldn't mind just stand up with me, I'm going, to, I'm going to take us through a time of prayer. And I'm going to, um, I'm going to take us through a time of prayer. I'm also going to have the altar team come up here. And they're going to stand up here. We're going to put some music on. And I want to declare some things over us. There's really three people in this audience today. There's three people here today, and all three of us need a revelation today, and we need, we need God to speak to our hearts. And if you would, just close your eyes for a moment. The first person, you're here today, and you're a lover of God, and you're on fire for the Lord. You love Jesus with all your heart. And God is wanting to do something with taking your identity deeper and a, and a revelation of the blood of Christ. He's wanting to do, he's wanting you to activate your faith and to remind yourself of the precious blood of Jesus and to thank him for it. To say, I receive it once again. I, I appropriate it to my life today. I realize that God, you have, you have forgiven me and I am clean. I'm washed. I'm redeemed. I, I have been fully, fully, fully brought back into peace with God because of the blood of Jesus. There's a second group you're out there today and you're, you've accepted Christ before. You love God, but you've really been on your own. You've been doing things in your own way. You've kind of been away from the Lord. And the Lord is calling you back home. You've been kind of doing things your own way and you know that the way you're living is not the way God wants you. And the Lord wants you to know 
He says, I love you right where you're at. And I want you to come home to me. I want you to come back to me. I want you to surrender. I want you to appropriate the blood of Jesus for your life again. I want you, he's saying, I want you to receive my mercy again. I want you to accept the sacrifice of my son today for your life, for your sin. And he just wants you to confess your sin to him. And say, I'm sorry that I've been doing it my way. He just wants you to come back home. He wants to remove the stains. He wants to remove the accusations of the enemy against you. He wants to remind you that you're a true daughter and true son of his. And you just need to take a little time to be with Jesus today. You don't need to go through the service and just fluff it off and go on and go back home. Some of you are going to come up to the altar and just kneel before God and get things right with him. And we won't bother you. We won't bother you at all. We'll just let you receive the forgiveness of God, receive his mercy, receive his blood again. Then there's a third group that's here today. And you've never made a commitment to Jesus Christ. You've never said yes to him. You're there and your heart's beating really fast. You're there and you you want this forgiveness. You want this thing that I've been talking about, how God's wrath and his anger was satisfied through the blood of Christ. And the Holy Spirit is right now pursuing you. And you're getting hot. You're starting to get sweaty. Your blood pressure's going up. I know. I've been there, man. I ran to the altar and I took care of business. Because the Spirit of God was pursuing me like a, like a lion pursues a hyena. Going after me. God was coming after me. And there are those here today, God is coming after you. And he's asking you, will you receive my son? Will you surrender your life? Will you let me in? As he's knocking on the door of your heart. And today is Resurrection Sunday. There's some dead things in your life that God's trying to resurrect. There's some things you've been going through that you say, there's no way I can get out of this. And God says, uh-uh. I can resurrect that. I can take care of that situation for you. I can help you. I can save you from that pit. I can take care of that if you'll let me. Come to me. I will set you free from this life of sin and death. And so all of us, we fall in those three categories on this Resurrection Sunday when we celebrate the resurrection of the most important man in the world, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Ushers, or uh, altar team if you wouldn't mind come up here I am not going to put pressure on anyone no one is to be embarrassed but the Bible says that 
if you will confess Jesus Christ as Lord, you will be saved. And so, if you want help on that journey of getting saved, of getting right with God, our altar team will help you do that. If you're here today and God's been convicting you of some things in your life and you just want to kneel before the Lord, the altars, what a great day to get things right with Christ. You can kneel and we won't bother you. The altar team, they'll pray for you. And if you're here today and you know somebody's struggling, feel free to take them and ask them if they want to go forward and help them. But we're going to dismiss service right now. We're going to turn the music up a little higher. We're going to actually dismiss the service. But I'm just thankful for Jesus Christ. Anybody else thankful for the Lord? I'm thankful for what he's done for us and that he has purchased us and that his blood is enough to make us holy. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, God, that you have released us from guilt by making peace with God through the blood of Jesus. Father, I thank you that you have resurrected Christ from death to life by Christ's physical body so that we might be presented to you, God, as holy in your sight, without blemish, free from accusation and guilt. Father, I thank you for the good news. I thank you, God, that you have made a way to erase our past so that we can live a shame-free life. Father, in Jesus' name, we receive that. We, have, we, we receive that as Christians. We receive that again this morning. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful Resurrection Sunday. Please, if you're here today and want prayer, please let us pray with you in Jesus' name. We love you. Amen.